Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you might be listening to this. This is the Jared Barnes Show. I'm your host, Jared Barnes. It is finally glad to be back doing podcasts. I am so pumped. I'm excited. And I'll tell you what, yesterday was football Sunday. It was a big football Sunday. I got that to talk about. I got some college football to talk about. And maybe I'll do the basketball finals preview if we have enough time. So let's just jump right into it. First thing I want to talk about, though. Sunday night football reaction, Rodgers versus Breeze, Packers versus Saints down in the Superdome. What a game it was. I was looking forward to this game the second I saw it on the schedule, and it honestly lived up to the hype in my opinion. Just watching both of these quarterbacks operate in a primetime game just was a treat to watch. I loved it. Rodgers knew coming into this game, though, that having very little fans in the Superdome was going to be advantage him. And his hard count was lethal. On the Packers' final scoring drive, Rodgers led them down straight down the field to score. While a lot of that drive was him and his offense putting in, just doing what they do, a large part of it was penalties on the Saints. On a play where Rodgers used his hard count to his advantage, he was actually about to call a timeout, he got the Saints defender to jump off sides. Rodgers is the king of free plays. He knew he had a free play. So where did he go? He looked right for his go-to wide receiver of the night, Alan Lazard. He tossed it up to Lazard in the end zone. And Lazard just happened to be almost able to make the catch. But the Saints were holding him in the end zone, which means the ball goes right to the one-yard line. It set them up. For the game-clinching touchdown, which was a pass from A-Money to tight end Robert Tanyan. And speaking of Robert Tanyan, the Packers had a couple of guys really show up in the game that were, you know, just, they were key in the absence of Devontae Adams to show up. And Robert Tanyan was one of those guys as he had five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. Alan Lazard also really showed up really big. I mean, he was massive in this game as he had six catches for 146 yards and a touchdown, proving that he can be a great, reliable number two receiver in the Packers offense right behind Devontae Adams. He can be a big play guy. He showed that tonight. Two of them, very big plays that were very good. Um, There was the one, the 48-yard throw that... I don't think he scored on it. uh, He might have. I can't remember. It might have been a play he scored on, but it was the 48-yard throw where Rodgers rolled out to the left, and he's rolling out to the left, and he just kind of stops off his back foot and looked like he just flicked his wrist, and that thing just flew. Next-Gen Stats said it was a 92.2 yards in the air. Rodgers was moving at 9.1 miles per hour when he let the throw go. I mean, that's just the kind of throws you get with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers honestly showed tonight that he is not washed up. And some people maybe thought that he was washed up coming into the season, and they were dead wrong. They were dead wrong. Aaron Rodgers and that Packers team, they are absolutely humming right now. And I'm excited to continue to watch them this season because they have been just so fun to watch. Now let's talk about the other team in that game, the New Orleans Saints. Penalties seemed to be a real issue for them as they had eight penalties for 83 yards 
compared to the Packers, who only had two penalties for a total of 10 penalty yards. Now, it seemed like a massive problem, but when you look at those numbers, it doesn't sound as bad. But when you think about the, the penalty that caused the, the Packers to go right in to the one to the one yard line and get the game clinching touchdown, it was bad. There was also the half the distance to the goal penalty that was right there, which if that was any more downfield, it could have been even worse. But it just it just gave it just kept giving the Packers opportunities to win the game. But the Saints offense clearly seems to be missing something without Michael Thomas, and that was expected. They've played two primetime games this season without Michael Thomas. And, you know, they seem to be missing something, but the offense still moved the ball very well tonight, in my opinion. That's thanks in large part to Alvin Kamara's and his 197 yards from scrimmage tonight with his two touchdown receptions. He had a great night. That's a career night for him. I don't think that's his career best scrimmage yards that he's ever had in his entire career. That's imp- it's impressive to do that against the Packers in a primetime game is impressive. Now, unlike a lot of people, I don't see anything wrong with Drew Brees' arm. He was never a guy that really, you know, had a deep ball. He wasn't a deep ball thrower. I honestly do believe that the issue with the Saints offense is nothing but the fact that they don't have their main guy. They don't have the guy that soaks up 15 targets a game. That's a lot of balls that go in one guy's direction, but he is so lethal to the offense. The offense is built around three things. Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. That's what that offense is built around. And when you take one of the key pieces out of that offense, there's nobody there that can fill it. So that's kind of what their problem is. They're going to be in a bad spot, though, as they do fall to 1-2 and two on the season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in their division. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers also won today. So... They're now two and one, and you don't want to fall behind in that division. Not that you have any other anybody else to worry about, as the Carolina Panthers and the Falcons are not going to be a problem. But uh, yeah, let's just kind of go quick recap of the rest of the games that were on on Football Sunday. Uh, the Steelers beat the Texans twenty eight twenty one. If you want to hear my thoughts on that game, check out Steelers Talk podcast. It's Steelers Talk, it's spelled S T I L L E R S Talk. And, uh, yeah, you can hear all my thoughts on that game and anything Steelers related because I really love the Steelers. They're my favorite team, but I don't want to focus on them because I don't want to sound like a fanboy and a favoritism because I like talking about other people. So I decided that I'm going to go and take my Steelers talk and put it somewhere else where Steelers fans can enjoy it and not have to hear all this other crap that I talk about that they would say is, and they can hear all about their favorite team and I can talk about my favorite team. But then again, I can still talk about the other things that I love to talk about. But some of the other games, the Lions upset the Cardinals 26-23 in a game where Kyler Murray struggled a bit. The Browns beat the Washington football team 34-20. The Titans beat the Vikings 31-30. The Patriots ran all over the Las Vegas Raiders today as they had 250-plus rushing yards in a 36-20 victory where they just shut down. They, They did what the Patriots do. They shut down the key players on the Raiders' offense. That was Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. And they said, see what you can do. And the Raiders just couldn't pull off a victory. Um, A short 49ers team destroyed the Giants 36-9. The Colts beat the terrible Jets 36-7. The Panthers beat the Chargers 21-16. The Bucks beat the Broncos 28-10. 
Uh, the Seahawks beat the Dallas Cowboys 38-31. Now, this game was intriguing because this is one of the games that I watched a lot of. And I didn't get to watch all the games. I got to watch the Steelers game because I recorded it and watched it back. I watched the Sunday night game clearly. I did the whole recap on it. And then I watched the Seahawks-Dallas game. And I'll tell you what. I was impressed with what I saw from Seattle again this week. I was impressed last week. But Russell Wilson, honestly, let's be honest, he had six touchdown passes. The one just got a great play. It's a, The Trayvon Diggs play on DK Metcalf shows you exactly why you never give up on a play and exactly why you always finish a play. DK thought he had an easy touchdown. He tried to walk it in the end zone. He wasn't holding the ball correctly. Trayvon Diggs said, no, bro, not happening. Punch the ball out. And gives a great example to young players and saying, hey, always finish the play. And that's what I, that was one of my favorite plays from that game. Even though Dallas kind of struggled, it felt like they were not getting some of their key guys the ball enough. And Dak forced the play at the end where it was a pick. And uh, But let's be honest. If you watch that game, if you watched any Seattle Seahawks football this year, it's clear and obvious. Let Russ cook. That dude is the MVP so far of the season. He played outstanding again. He actually broke an NFL record, most touchdown passes in the first three games of the season. Who Mahomes held that record, and now he broke it. So um, what what a day it was for Russell Wilson as he throws another five-touchdown day. It's just insane numbers from him. Um, there was a tie this week. Uh, Philly and Cincy tied. Uh, last year, Cincy tried to win football games, literally couldn't. Um, last year, Philly made it to the playoffs, tied Cincy today. So that just tells you that's what the NFL is about. Uh, the Bills almost pulled off a Falcons blow it type lead as they were up 28 to 3. But they hang on despite a questionable PI call that did not get called. And uh, that's just karma for the Rams, baby. Uh, the Bills won 35 32. But speaking of the Falcons, the Falcons played the Bears today. And I got a little bit to say about that game because I did get to see a little bit of it. I watched a lot. I kind of checked out some of the the game recap, and I was I was intrigued because of what happened. Trubisky got benched today. Foles took over, but the Bears are three and zero. In the third quarter, trailing by sixteen points, Bears head coach Matt Nagy decided that Trubisky had shown him enough, and he needed to make a change at least for this game. So he decided to roll with Nick Foles. And instead of continuing with current starter Mitchell Trubisky, he said, let's go, Foles. Let's see what you got. And Foles looked pretty good. He helped spark a comeback in which the Bears scored 20 straight unanswered points, and the Bears completed a 16-point comeback versus the Atlanta Falcons. This move by Nagy is telling, and it tells me these two things right here. Number one, the Bears don't believe in Trubisky. Trubisky's time in Chicago might be numbered at this point. Through three games, Trubisky has pretty much only played two good quarters of football. Uh, The offense is stagnant when he's in. And number two, even though Matt Nagy won't confirm it, uh, the Foles will be the starter for the rest of the season for the Chicago Bears. They're 3-0 right now. They're in a good spot. And, you know, you can't, you can't be going out on the field every single time with an offense that is stagnant and can't move the football because one and eight on uh, third down, and you can't do it. Now, 
the Bears, it's sad news today, but Tariq Cohen possibly tore his ACL, and that's another guy to have a season-ending injury. That stinks because he is their do-it-all guy, but the Bears are 3-0. and And they haven't even played great yet. Now, I got to say this one thing because it really impressed me. Foles had this great throw. Trubisky would have never made this throw. Pressure in his face. He's about to get hit. He literally gets hit, I think, as he's throwing the football. And he throws it across the middle to Bears wide receiver Anthony Miller. And it was a touchdown. And that play really stuck out to me because that's a play that doesn't happen with Trubisky in the game. Trubisky either gets sacks or throws it away there. Probably takes the sack. And we all knew a change was going to happen here in Chicago at some point. And for the Bears, it just had to happen today. But, you know, it's just tough. Because when you replace your starter with the backup, what you're telling your team is this. I believe in this guy. Let's roll with him and see what he does. And you made that decision today. If you go back on it now, you're going to be screwing with the team. Like, I know you love Trubisky because that was your boy your first season, but he hasn't played up to the height of his first season. He was above average your first year there, Coach Matt Nagy. He was just above average. He played well. His numbers were good. He carried your team. He helped your team get to a playoffs, but he was above average. That defense technically carried you guys there. But speaking of the Bears game, I have to bring up the other team on the other side, and that is the poor Atlanta Falcons. Two weeks in a row, two 15-point leads, and they blew it both weeks. One has to wonder how hot the Falcons can let Dan Quinn's seats get at this point. That dude has to be fired, right? Like, <sighs> I just can't. I just can't see how you, how you can still have it. They haven't been a good team at all, at all, since... Their Super Bowl appearance. They've been average at best. I think two seasons at seven and nine. And this team this year looks in bad shape. They looks like they cannot finish a game to save their life. And they're starting to become the the joke of the league. They're becoming a laughing stock at this point. And it's it's sad, but it's kind of I don't want to say it's funny, but it's kind of funny because, like, the Falcons fan don't deserve it, but I love the memes. The internet was hilarious about it. And they have talented players, so it's sad. There's other teams that should be laughingstocks of the league. Like, Jacksonville should be a laughingstock of the league, yet they have shocked everybody. This Falcons blowing lead, we're actually kind of expecting it at this point. And it's sad. And I, I'm tired of seeing it. Falcons, will you please win next week? Please. Or actually lose so that Dan Quinn gets fired. I don't know who's going to get fired first, to be completely honest with you. Adam Gase or Dan Quinn? Because the Jets have Sam Darnold, but they don't have any offensive pieces around them. The Falcons have Matt Ryan, but they have three good wide receivers around them. They have Hayden Hurst, they have Todd Gurley, and the offensive line is decent. They have a lot of offensive weapons. The Jets have none. The Jets need an offensive-minded coach. The Falcons need an offensive-minded coach. The only reason you would fire your coach midseason is so that you can get a chance of hiring, get an 
I guess, I guess one up somebody and try to get a better chance of hiring an offensive minded coach because you're going to need it. Both teams need it because the Falcons don't disguise anything. And that's why it's tough to get Julio the ball as much. And the Jets just need help entirely. They look like they could get the first overall pick. And if they do, they need to trade it away immediately because they have Sam Darnold. They don't need another quarterback because, yeah, while Trevor Lawrence might be great, um, no help with Trevor Lawrence is still going to be the same thing that you got with Sam Darnold. And the poor Falcons, if you don't bring in an offensive-minded coach that can disguise a little bit of things and help your offense move the ball a little bit better, you're going to be in a bad spot because – all you're going to keep doing is being average because you're running a basic offense that's not that doesn't work. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. I'm just trying to be positive. I don't want to be negative. Got to get a drink here. College football this weekend. The defending champs, the LSU Tigers, they lost. The unranked Mississippi State. Now, this was the first game that Mississippi State had with Mike Leach. And uh, in a year with a new team and a new-looking team, Edward Geron and the LSU Tigers opened up their season versus a Mike Leach powerful passing offense. But I knew in this game, coming in, I thought there was a chance LSU could lose. And I actually thought that because I didn't think LSU's offense could hang. Last year's LSU offense compared to this year's is extremely different because this is the guys that they've lost. Joe Burrow, he's gone. He's in Cincy. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, first-round pick. He's gone. He's at Kansas City. Justin Jefferson, also a first-round pick. He's gone. Minnesota, and he balled out yesterday. Congrats to Justin Jefferson. Jamar Chase, opted out. Thaddeus Moss, undrafted free agent, Washington Reds, Washington football team. Can't say that. Washington football team. Joe Brady, passing game coordinator, kind of like assistant offensive coordinator. He's gone. He's now the offensive coordinator at Carolina. So a lot of key pieces. I didn't realize until I thought about it and was writing it down. There were so many key pieces from that historic LSU offense that just aren't there anymore. It's a new look, and it's a new team. And they just got outplayed. Stanford transfer K.J. Costello in his, you know, New Mike Leach offense with the weapons and the, you know, hey, you want to lead the nation to pass the yards? Come play for me. And that's Mike Leach. And he, he, that's pretty much probably what he said to KJ Costello because a lot of quarterbacks confirmed that they, that's all he said to them. And it, it made them commit. It worked for Gardner. Look what he is. And uh, he recorded an SEC record 632 passing yards. And the Tigers fell to 0 1 on the season. Congratulations to Mississippi State and Mike Leach. On the first one of the season. But back to LSU. Their schedule does not get any easier. They have a tough schedule. They play in the SEC. They still have to play Florida in Gainesville. Auburn in Jordan-Hare. And then they host Alabama. One, two, three. In my opinion, that's three losses. I don't see LSU beating any of those teams at this point. That could change. That could change. But I just don't see it. Now, I could be wrong. But let's talk a little more SEC. Kyle Trask, he looked very good. He threw for four touchdowns. Alabama, they were able to get their offensive stuff going in a warm-up game pretty much versus Missouri. 
I, I, Najee Harris ran for three touchdowns. Mac Jones looked very good. He looks like he has a lot of control over that offense. And I liked what I saw from Bama's offense. But there was a lot of room for improvement. It's the first game. There's a lot of like little tiny things that they could really improve on. And if they did, they would up their game significantly. And um, Georgia's quarterback situation, too. Um, the, Jamie Newman opted out. That's what's wild. He transferred there. He could enter the draft. He decided not to. Then he opts out because he said he wanted to he wanted to improve his stock when he transferred to Georgia. He did not know that there was going to be a coronavirus pandemic. So he opts out, which, hey, that's up to him. That's his choice. But, hey, J, it was after JT Daniels transferred there. Were you scared of JT Daniels maybe taking your job midseason if you didn't play well? Maybe that hurt your draft stock even more? Who knows? But JT Daniels wasn't cleared to play this week. He hasn't been cleared to play yet at all. So, their starting quarterbacks did not play great. They still won, but there's a lot to be, you know, to be wanted from the Georgia Bulldogs still. But I'm just so excited that the SEC is back. It felt like something was missing on college football Saturday. And things are starting to feel kind of normal again. And I can't wait for the Big Ten to return because then it's really going to feel like college football is back. While I like the Pac-12 and I like a Pac-12 Saturday night, late night game, um, I'll be completely okay if we don't really get to see a whole lot of Pac-12 this year because I don't really follow it that much. It's not on the I'm on the East Coast, they're on the West Coast. I just don't have a team over there that I really love. I like USC, but that's because they're USC. And uh, yeah. One of the not um, I'm not going to get to that yet. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. I have to bring this up because I think last weekend, in my mind, I thought of the Big Twelve as the Big Two because there was there was only two competent teams. It looked like, and now it's like, whew, well, Oklahoma, that was bad. That was a terrible performance. Five turnovers. You lost to Kansas State, who just recently lost to Central Arkansas, and. Kansas State kind of has Oklahoma's number. They beat them last year when Jalen was there. So it was it's it was a little bit surprising. I will be completely honest. It was very surprising to see it happen. But they have their number. I, I love the program that they're building at Kansas State, though. I'd like to bring that up. I like the quarterback that they have, Skylar Thompson. I think he's very underrated. He's an athlete. But Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma... A lot of people are dissing him right now. He will get it together. I truly believe it. Yeah, he might not be Baker Mayfield. He might not be Kyler Murray. He might not be Jalen Hurts. He is following a line of quarterbacks that no quarterback would ever in their life want to follow. Heisman winner, Heisman winner, Heisman finalist. That is a lot of of pressure this kid is in college during the weirdest time of anybody's life and people are bashing him so hard right now listen i get it i get it but i believe in the guy still you should too i just wanted to say that because spencer's my guy i love them on qb1 <laughs> but the last football topic i want to talk about today Virginia Tech Hokies. This was the story of the weekend, in my opinion. 
in college football, and it should get way more love than it got because Virginia Tech was able to get a win this weekend despite 23 players and three coaches out due to coronavirus. Not only was Virginia Tech out with those 23 players, one of those guys, one of the coaches, was their defensive coordinator and then an assistant defensive coordinator. And the Hokies, they were without their starting corner, Jermaine Waller. And their star corner from last season, Caleb Fairley, had already opted out. So now their secondary was weak for this game. But the players on that team stepped up. They stepped up to the plate and hit it out the park. And it was not easy because Virginia Tech's starting quarterback, he didn't play either. Even though he warmed up and was ready to play, he didn't. He was still there, though. I'm not sure why. I didn't really look into it. I just find this story very intriguing, and I enjoyed it because I wrote this team off. So the back, so the second-string quarterback played. He left with injury. Didn't come back. But key to the story is step up when it's your time. Third-string quarterback, he came in. He threw for two touchdowns, ran for a touchdown. They were able to get a win. And it's honestly terrible that Virginia Tech has to even go through this and that 23 of their players and three coaches could not be there. And they probably won't be there for, I don't know, it might be another week. But it says a lot about this team and them just as a team and the coaches on that team that they were able to overcome all of that and still get a win. And not, it wasn't a close win. It was 45-24. They beat North Carolina State, the Wolfpack. And when I read this headline, the first thing before the game kicked off and stuff, I went, this is what I said to myself. I said, yeah, that team has no chance. They have no chance. I didn't even know if it was starters, backups, or what. I just said, oh, 23 players, no chance. There is no chance they'll win that game. Turns out I was wrong. And I just want to give credit to them because, hey, they really stuck it out. They did what they could. And they got a win. So congrats to Virginia Tech because what a game that was. And um, Yeah, so I'm going to take a short break real quick. I got to get a drink of water. And uh, then I will talk about my, uh, maybe quickly, my NBA Finals predictions. Because the Miami Heat beat the Boston Celtics. The Lakers beat the Nuggets. And we got a Finals matchup coming in the next couple days. So I'll talk about it. All right. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. And... I tell you what, I just uh, was looking at some of the lines for the games, for the finals. He, um, the Lakers are clearly the favorite, uh, but we'll just jump into it now, and then I'll talk about it. So the first game, game one, is Wednesday, September thirtieth. I'm excited. I wanted the Heat to get there, so I'm glad they did. I don't think they're going to be able to knock off the Lakers. No way. I think the Lakers are going to get this game, are going to get the series in five or six games. Honestly. Probably, I think the Heat will give them a run, though, because the Heat are such a good team. They gelled well together. And I think the Heat could be a problem over the next couple of years, but this I don't think this is the year for them. They do have the shooters, though, that the Lakers do not have, which is going to be key for them because their offense can get into a flow with the shooting, unlike the Lakers, and because the Lakers' shooters are inconsistent. Danny Green, not that good. J.R. Smith doesn't really play that much. Uh, Deion Waiters, inconsistent, doesn't play that much. 
Caruso can't shoot. Kuzma, he's Kuzma. We're not even going to talk about it. And uh, yes, yeah, so that kind of leaves LeBron, JaVel McGee, Dwight Howard, and Anthony Davis. And uh, Dwight Howard is not a shooter, and neither is JaVel. So there's not a lot of shooters on the Lakers, but Jimmy Butler can shoot. Duncan Robinson is a great shooter, and Tyler Hero can shoot. And he's been playing, he's been balling out. But um, yeah, so the Lakers are clearly the favorites. Uh, they're plus 450 to win it in four games, plus 275 to win it in five. Um, 5,000. The Heat are plus 300 to win the series. They're plus 5,000 to win it in four. I'd honestly want to put 10 bucks down on that just because, but I can't gamble. I'm 20 years old. They're plus 2,000 to win it in five, 1,200 to win it in six, and 800 to win it in seven. So like I said, game one is Wednesday, September 30th. I'm excited for it. Game two is Friday. Game three is Sunday. Game four is Tuesday. And uh, yeah, so my thoughts on the, the whole series, I think it's going to be a close matchup. I really do. I don't think the Lakers are going to blow them out, but I do think the Lakers are going to win it in five or six. I just don't see the Heat winning it. Even though their story is fantastic, I think it's the Lakers are kind of meant to win it this year. And not that it was set up or anything like that, because some people are going to say, they're going to say whatever, because if the Lakers win it, that means LeBron won it. There's too many LeBron haters, and I'm tired of it, to be completely honest with you. Uh, LeBron is a great player, uh, but I will say he's not the greatest of all time. I'll just say Jordan is the greatest of all time. But when LeBron retires, he has, if he continues on the straight that he is up, like the road that he is going on, he will be the greatest of all time when he retires. But until that day, I will sit here and say that Jordan is the best to ever play the game of basketball. What do you want me to say? But I'm I am very excited for this, um, the finals. I took an extra couple minutes, and I'll tell you what, it's 1.31 right now. I got class in the morning. I am deadbeat tired. But let me read some of the, <laughs> the finals MVP odds. So LeBron is the clear favorite, then after that AD, then Jimmy Butler. Uh, after Jimmy Butler, it's Bam, then Drogic, then Hero. Those are the top favorites to win it. Uh, shockingly enough, Danny Green has higher odds to win finals MVP than Kyle Kuzma. Uh, and then somehow Duncan Robinson has the same odds as Alex Caruso. I think he should be a little higher. Maybe Kuzma should be a little lower, but, you know, but that, it's whatever, you know. I think it's hilarious, but like I said, Lakers in five or six. I'm going to go six. So Lakers in six. I'm excited for this series. And yeah, that's pretty much all I got. So thanks for, you know, listening today. Thanks for checking this podcast back out, relaunching it. This is season two. I'm excited. I'm trying to get some guests on the later weeks episode. Like, so I'm going to release two episodes a week, one on Monday, one on Thursday. The goal is to have a guest on the episode every Thursday, whether that be an athlete. My original beginning goal here is to get an episode like every Thursday, have a smaller podcast like my like my own. Uh, there's some friends of mine that I'm going to reach out to. I won't say any names because I don't want to force them into feeling like they have to commit into joining and being a guest on the show, but... I'm going to reach out to them because there are certain topics that I would love to talk about with them because of just the fact that 
you know, I, they're great people. And I would just love to talk about it with them. I'm excited for the future here. I Like I also said, I have another podcast that actually releases that I actually have to record. Literally after I record this one. And like I said, it's 1.30 and I, I'm starting to get a little tired. So I'm going to go chug a couple Mountain Dews and then chug a water and see how it goes. But wish me luck. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to, you know, subscribe, rate, and review. Do the thing. Do what you got to do. Share it with a friend. Help us grow. Hope you liked it. Anyways, have a great one. I'm out. Peace. Enjoy your week.